boys, 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 we have so much to get into today. It's been a fucking hectic start to the beginning of NBA free agency, as it always is. There were multiple trades that happened last week that I wanted to talk about. Of course, the beginning of free agency was Monday, and then I think it was free agency could start at 6 p.m. Monday evening, and the rookie scale max extensions could begin at midnight, I believe. However, before we get into that, I have a little story for everybody. I had the worst possible thing happen to me this weekend. So it's Saturday. My parents took a little trip up to Rhode Island, Newport, because I think that's the only place that people go in Rhode Island. If you're from Rhode Island and people do visit other places in Rhode Island, please let me know. But anyway, it's Saturday. Parents are coming back from a short trip up to Rhode Island. And what is Rhode Island's finest export, their finest product, their most recognizable product? Saltwater taffy. Okay. So parents bring back a little bit of saltwater taffy. You know, we're in the kitchen, we're hanging out, and I crack open the box. I was the first one to bust into that bitch. Now, for whatever reason, the colors of the taffy had no association to what the actual flavor was, and there was no flavor key on the box. So I pulled out one that was like light purplish. I bit into it expecting grape. Because generally, things that are purple are grape-flavored. No. It was fucking licorice-flavored. Licorice. That's like biting into a snow cone and it actually being an orange. Or that's like biting into an apple and it's actually a tomato. I was so fucking disgusted that I didn't even want to take the chance to get an actual flavor that I might have enjoyed. Like, was the blue one actually blue raspberry? What about green? Was that green apple? Was red cherry or strawberry? Or was it fucking toothpaste-flavored? Flavored. I don't know, man. But that really just, like, put a damper on my entire weekend. I have not been the same since that happened. But anyway, with that little little diatribe out of the way, I want to get into the NBA stuff as quickly as possible because, again, there was... A whole lot that went down. It began most notice most notably, and I'm just tr- I'm on Spotrack trying to find the uh, transaction the transaction window. So most notably, the first huge trade of the off season, I would say, came. When did it come? When was this? It was July 29th. As we know, that was when the Lakers went ahead and traded for Russell Westbrook. So they parted with Kyle Kuzma, KCP, Montrez Harrell, and a first-round pick. They got Russ and a couple of picks themselves. They got a 2024 second-round pick and a 2028-0 round pick. That's fucking incredible. So this was, as you would expect, the the largest talking point for so many of us content creators and us NBA folks because it really is a fascinating trade. And I'm going to be honest here. I'm not the biggest fan of this trade. I think that the Lakers made this trade because of what happened this past postseason. LeBron got hurt during the year. Anthony Davis was hurt on and off during the year and then gets hurt again in the postseason. And that was probably the biggest, the biggest reason why they got eliminated by the Phoenix Suns in the first round. And of course... LeBron not being healthy for a sizable chunk of the season was also crucial in them falling to be the seventh seed. Now, I feel that trading for Russell Westbrook gives the Lakers that safety net that they needed this past year, where if one of those guys goes down, you have that third guy to kind of to kind of salvage the ship, I guess would be a good way to say it. Now, my thoughts on this have changed a little differently, mainly because the Lakers have gone on and actually signed some more rages, but I'll give it to you how I thought about it in the beginning. I don't like when star- when teams go out and mortgage their depth to bring in stars. I wasn't a fan of it when the Brooklyn Nets were in talks to bring on Bradley Beal, for example, and I p- explained it like this because you're going to give up several pieces who could be more beneficial in your quest to a championship because they fill roles that the other superstars do not. You're going to send them off to bring in Bradley Beal 
for example, who is basically just a 6'5", Kyrie Irving. So now you have two shooting guards alongside Kevin Durant. Of course, with Kevin Durant, things are different because it's fucking Kevin Durant and they are there to just serve him. I didn't feel that way when they traded for James Harden because trading for James Harden, although they gave up a huge amount of pieces, namely Karis LeVert and um, Jared Allen, who recently also got $100 million, shout out to J.A., I wasn't. I was more of a fan of that deal because James Harden actually filled a role that the Nets needed. They needed someone to facilitate. They needed, really, a point guard. And then, of course, him being able to go out and get you twenty five. I mean, he was a huge. He was huge in them rising to you know be the second seed in the Eastern Conference while Kyrie and KD were battling injuries because of how dynamic he is on offense. And that's why. I turned out to be a fan of that deal, but I was so adamant against Bradley Beal. As much as I love Bradley Beal, and I've come on this show multiple times and professed and described my man crush in great detail towards him, I don't think that he fit the Nets game plan. And I don't think that Russell Westbrook really fits the Lakers game plan. If you go back to a couple years ago, Russ is in Houston. He has one of his best seasons ever. And he didn't have to average a triple-double to be effective. He averaged, I think it was like 27 points, uh, about 7.5 rebounds and 7 assists. But most notably, he shot 45% from the field. Is 45% a fucking crazy mark? No, it's not. But for a volume shooter, a guy who's taking 18, 19, 20 shots, that is, that is efficiency that any coach will love with that volume. That's, high vo- that's, that's, being, that's being very efficient with high volume. And a large part of that was because Russell Westbrook cut down on threes. I think he only took like three threes a game that season compared to four, five, six, or sometimes even seven in the previous years. Granted, it was a little different because he was attempting like 25, 26, 27 shots, but whatever. This moral of the story being that the fewer threes that Russell Westbrook takes, the better and more impactful player he is. Because for every three that Russell Westbrook doesn't take, That's him being able to get into the paint to either score a layup himself or dish it off to one of his teammates, whether it's a dump-off pass to Anthony Davis. I'm just putting this in context of the Lakers, whether it's a dump-off pass to Anthony Davis, whether he's kicking out to one of the newly signed signed sharpshooters, uh, Wayne Ellington, Kent Bazemore, one of them, or he gets into that mid-range area, 14, 15, 16 feet, gets a nice little pull-up, Bada bing, bada boom. I don't know if he's going to be able to occupy that role with the Lakers. It's a different, it's a different beast than when he was in Houston and, of course, Oklahoma City. Because in Oklahoma City, he was allowed to be the point guard because Kevin Durant is just obviously the offense runs through Kevin Durant, but Russell Westbrook is more than capable of having the offense or conducting the offense, I should say. How is he going to coexist alongside LeBron James now? People might bring up, you know, LeBron was able to coexist with Dwayne Wade. He was able to coexist with Kyrie Irving. And while that's true, neither of those guys have a similar play style towards Russell Westbrook. Dwayne Wade, as great of a player as he is, he wasn't trying to be a point guard. He was able to create for himself and create for others. But more often than not, he was working away from the ball. Same thing with Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is a score-first point guard. He is an undersized shooting guard. He is not Russell Westbrook, someone who most of the time needs the ball in his hands to be effective because he's not a great spot-up shooter, and I don't know what the Lakers' game plan is going to look like for him. How often are they going to have him, you know, cutting, filling the op- filling, uh, filling the open spaces, the open gaps in the defense? I don't know how how seamlessly it's going to be on offense. However, there is the flip side of that. Now that you have Russell Westbrook, someone who can facilitate the offense for decent chunks of, um, of the Lakers games, it's not like they have Dennis Schroeder or Alex Caruso who really can't be so ball dominant all the time. Russell Westbrook can. Now, this means that you can, in theory, rest Anthony Davis more frequently, rest LeBron James more frequently. Anthony Davis is injury prone. I don't really like to use the term injury prone, but if you're experiencing something catastrophic once a year, teams have to prepare for that. The organization has to prepare for that. The coach has to know that he can rely on guys 
in your absence. And LeBron James, although he's not injury prone, he's getting old. His body is starting to break down. We're seeing it. The last couple of years, he's missed sizable chunks of the season. Despite all the years before not really having any issues like that. So now Russell Westbrook will be able to give those guys the opportunity to rest more. And God forbid they do go ahead and wind up missing a sizable chunk of the season. It's not going to be the end of the world. I don't think that the Lakers, if what happened last year were to happen again this year, I don't think the Lakers would fall from, I think they were second all the way down to seventh. I think they would still fall, but maybe from like two to four or two to five, which of course gives them a much more advantageous matchup in the playoffs. Because if you look at the middle of the Western Conference, a fully healthy Lakers team in the postseason is better than Dallas, is better than Portland, is might be better than Denver. I don't know, could potentially be better than the Clippers, depending on, of course, what happens with Kawhi Leonard. But the what really did this for me, this trade, was the fact that they parted with Montrez Harrell and Contavious Caldwell Pope. Kyle Kuzma, we kind of knew that something was going to happen with him this summer. I think the Lakers, they at this point, they're trying to win a title before LeBron gets too old and, you know, before their contracts expire. Kyle Kuzma's inconsistency, I think, was just a little too much for them to lean on. Although last season he was pretty decent. He shot like 36% from three, averaged like 13 or 14 points. A guy who could produce pretty pretty voluminously if given the time, but there was, of course, the uh, the chance that he didn't. So that, of course, makes him more expendable, especially when compared to someone like KCP, who is consistently shooting 37, 38, up to even like 40% with the Lakers. A guy who, you know, that is one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA. A legitimate floor spacer who is going to open up everything for LeBron and for AD. And on top of that, to just defensively, one of the better defensive guards in the NBA, a guy who is not going to get his fucking nuts slapped around every time he goes onto the perimeter to defend Damian Lillard, to defend Luka Doncic, to defend Steph Curry. Are those guys still going to go go out and get 25, 27, 29 points? Yeah, but it's going to be exceptionally more difficult for them, and they will have to rely on their teammates more. Now, with no KCP, they don't have that anymore. Same thing goes with Montrez Harrell. Montrez Harrell, although his minutes were kind of sporadic throughout the postseason, he is a tremendous energy guy. He is a fighter on the defensive glass. He is a, a little undersized, but this dude has a fucking enormous wingspan, has really probably one of the most um, high RPM motors in the NBA. He just goes out, he competes, he makes winning plays. When you're a team that's trying to win a title, that's what you need. You need guys who go out and who make winning plays. Now, this of course leads us directly into the um the Lakers other additions so far. So Okay. They lost Alex Caruso. Alex Caruso is now in Chicago, who I will talk about in a little bit and who I think is really doing a very, a very solid job this offseason. So they signed Trevor Ariza. Wayne Ellington, they brought Dwight Howard back, and they signed Kent Bazemore. I saw on Twitter, someone said that the Lakers, LeBron James is not why you on the Lakers if you were never able to rent a movie from Blockbuster. And with this roster, I 1,000% believe it. Trevor Ariza, 36. Wayne Ellington, 33. Dwight Howard, 35. Kent Bazemore is the baby of the group at 32. Now, there is a lot of age on this championship team. However, there is a lot of veteran experience. There is a lot of championship experience. Dwight Howard won a title with the Lakers. At least I think he did. Yeah, he's returning to the Lakers. So he won a title with them two years ago. Trevor Ariza was a huge piece of those Houston Rockets teams back in 2016 and 2017 that were primed for a title run. They just got a little unlucky. Um, Wayne Ellington... A guy who, at least when he was in Detroit, and really for all of his career when he was in, uh, I think, Miami as well, is probably there. He's going to have to fill KCP's role, and I don't foresee that happening, at least defensively, just because, you know, age is a thing. 
Wayne Ellington is going to get burned on defense more time than he's not, despite the fact that he is one of the most reliable three-point shooters in the league. And Kent Bazemore, I'm going to be honest, dog, I really don't know that much about Kent Bazemore because I, for whatever reason, he's just like not in my, he's just not in my basketball brain for whatever reason. It's like I got the push notification that Mike Muscala signed somewhere. I don't even remember where he signed. Oh, I think he signed uh, with the Thunder. I think, I don't know, something like that. Um, oh fuck! I like how there are still. <laughs> there are still. Fucking, reports rolling in. Andre Drummond is going to the Sixers. That's fucking. That's a thing right there. That's awesome. Anyway, back to the Lakers. Um, I do think the Lakers have. A very good team heading into next season. It is definitely title or bust at this point because all these deals are for one year. Yeah, they have four one-year deals, all of which are pretty much for the minimums. 2.6 for Ariza, or you got 2.6 for Ariza, Ellington, and Dwight, and then 2.4 for uh, Kent Bazemore. So I don't know. I don't know. I still think that, you know, Phoenix is going to be back in the um back in the mix, especially since they re-signed Chris Paul and they got a steal of a deal for campaign. You know what? I'm actually just we're just gonna go ahead. We're just gonna go ahead and skip right to the Suns. So Phoenix, as we know, Chris Paul turned <laughs> me. Listen, dude, I'm a fucking absolute brainlet. I am not a smart guy in the slightest because I'm looking at this Chris Paul situation. I'm like, he's got a player option for forty four million dollars. How is he going to turn this down? I'm like, there's no way you're turning down $44 million. Well, Zach, you fucking jackass. There is. And that's if the team that is going to pay you $44 million instead opts to pay you $120 million. So Chris Paul secured a four-year deal. No option. At least I don't think. Unless it's a player option. Certainly no team option. So the Suns are... The Suns are guaranteed to pay him $120 million, regardless of if he plays for them or not. So he got four years for that. Jesus fucking Christ, dude. Shout out to Chris Paul, though. And then campaign. Dude, they got Cameron Payne for three years, $19 million. That's about $6 million a year. They did lose Torrey Craig, but they did re-sign, or they did sign JaVale McGee. Pardon me. And that's pretty much going to be their team for next year. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Cameron Payne. Um, Cam Johnson, McCall Bridges, Jay Crowder, all those guys are coming back. So they're, again, going to be in the running for another title. Um, Utah as well. Utah, um, I can't remember if they re-signed. No, fuck. I think they might have re-signed Mike Conley. Yeah, okay, so they re-signed Mike Conley for $72 million. It was at first reported to be $68 million, but that was not true. Sorry, I just had to fucking kill a bug. Um, and then everyone else, there really isn't, I think that team is also going to be pretty much back to normal. Donovan Mitchell, um, Joe Ingles, Royce O'Neal, uh, Rudy Gobert, (laughs) the free agency shit's really racking my brain dog. And then Mike Conley, it really all just comes down to the Clippers and what happens with Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi is still the biggest free agent on the market right now, and he's going to take his time. He is 100% going to not make a decision until really the tail end of free agency. Like once all of the veteran guys are gone or towards the end of that, I, I expect Kawhi Leonard to um make an announcement. But, you know, he declined his option with the Clippers, $36 million. Does he return? That's the big question. Or, I don't see, I got to find uh, even who has a lot of space left. Because at this rate, at this rate, I think really the only place you'd be able to go if teams don't want to pay the luxury tax. And this is him seeking a raise over the $33 million that he was going to get this season. So San Antonio still has $48 million in projected cap. Uh, New York, although I don't know if any of their... I don't know. See, I just don't know if the table I'm looking at is including all of the um, signees that have already been made. 
because I know the Knicks. Uh, okay, so the Knicks have pending transactions. So the Knicks. Mm, yeah, I don't know. So anyway, fuck it. We're just going to go with this chart. Spurs have $48 million. Could Kawhi go to San Antonio? Potentially. What happens with DeMar DeRozan if that's the case? Does he take a pay cut to stay with the Spurs and potentially be a contender? The same thing. Um, actually, no. The New York Knicks, this cat, this chart is not correct because the Knicks ran out of space after they signed Evan Fournier. So he can't go to New York. I was... I I don't know why I expected this. I just had this weird... I don't even know if it was a feeling, but Kawhi to Dallas just made a lot of sense to me. And I know I've talked about it multiple times already just because Dallas is one piece away. You got Luka. Perfect. You got Chris Stapps. Kind of. When he's healthy. You have Dorian Finney-Smith. Um, they don't no longer have Josh Richardson. He's in Boston. Uh, but Kawhi. What does Kawhi do? Kawhi addresses their biggest issue. Perimeter defense. Or just defense in general because Dallas isn't defending anybody at this rate. Not only that. The pairing between him and Luka would be lethal. I think that if Dallas managed to sign Kawhi, I don't think they're going to. I don't think they have the space to do it anymore. To me, they would instantly be probably the second best team in the West. Arguably the best team in the West. They would, without a doubt, be in that conversation. They'd be up there with Utah, Phoenix, uh, the Lakers, and, and it would be them and Denver. So that would be like the top tier of the Western Conference. And that really just goes to show you how deep the West is that the top tier of the Western Conference has five teams in it because those five teams are so um, comparable to one another. But I don't know if that's going to happen. I do want to go ahead and just quickly shift over to my Brooklyn Nets because they've been relatively quiet so far. And obviously, we know we knew this was going to be a thing because they have pretty much no money to spend. They are going to be fucking smooching the luxury tax in a little bit. But they managed to re-sign Bruce Brown. They managed to re-sign Blake Griffin, both of them, on one-year deals. And as of today, they went ahead and they signed James Johnson. A transaction that was definitely surprising, but one that I welcome. Because James Johnson has the potential to be a very impactful 3 and D player. Now, I know he's a little older. He's 34, going on 35. Didn't really play that well with uh, New Orleans last year, at least as far as his shooting was concerned. What I would love is if we got the James, uh, I hate saying we, but what I would love is if the version of the James, the version of James Johnson that the Nets got was James Johnson, who was in Miami and then Minnesota, a guy who solid wing defender, average to above average wing defender, a very physical guy more than anything else. Someone who's just going to put a body on whoever he has to guard and just wear them down regardless of if this guy still goes for 30 or whatever just wearing down the perimeter talent in the eastern conference because much like dallas brooklyn struggled immensely on defense i mean like the amount of the the guys they cycled through trying to guard Giannis in the semifinals it was blake griffin it was kevin durant it was jeff green it was fucking it was almost literally everybody i'm surprised they didn't pull mr whammy out of his apartment and bring him to Milwaukee to guard Giannis. It was just, it was a mess. Do I think that James Johnson would be able to guard Giannis? I don't know, but it's possible. If anything, I know no one is going to try to square up with him because this dude is like 28 and 0 in um, fighting matches between MMA and kickboxing. So I know that's, I know that's not going to happen, but he could shoot 37% from three and just be a decent wing defender. That would be absolutely ideal. Now, now, of course, the biggest talk about the Nets isn't about who they signed, but it's about who they didn't sign or who they were incapable of signing. So Jeff Green's gone. Uncle Jeff, I'm very sad. And Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't remember him ever being. Oh, hold on. We got a new uh, we got a new tweet from Shams. Okay, Rudy Gay is going to the Jets. Oh, that's old. Yeah, Rudy Gay already went to the Jets. Oh, this is about Kyrie.
Wait, hold on. What did Kyrie say about Nike? I'm so confused. So, so Shams just tweeted a statement from Kyrie about Kyrie's. Oh, he said his shoes are trash. <gasps> That's so fucking funny. So apparently, I don't remember this at all. The Kyrie 8s came out. And oh yeah, these are pretty fucking bad. Now, I own a couple of pair of Kyries myself. I think they're like the twos and the threes. Very, very high quality sneakers now. So these come out and Kyrie goes, I have nothing to do with the designer marketing of the upcoming Kyrie 8. In my opinion, these are trash. I have absolutely nothing to do with them. Nike plans to release it with my, without my okay, regardless of what I say. So I apologize in advance to all the seeker heads and true supporters of my brand. Okay, that's... I mean, listen... Listen, dude, I can't lie. They, they do be kind of trash. They do kind of look like trash. They do. They do. Anyway, whatever. At this point, like, Nike is going to do whatever the athletes want. It, I think. I don't know. I know Kyrie is immensely popular in the sneaker community people love duping issues definitely one of the most popular player models um but anyway let's get back to the task at hand here so i don't remember spencer dinwiddie ever being um reported as having signed a deal with washington i heard that there was interest in him this was like okay so this was 12 hours ago I woke up and I saw this notification from Woj that says free agent guard Spencer Dinwiddie is nearing a deal with the Wizards. And then Jake Fisher, who is a reporter for Bleacher Report, who's been very, who's done an excellent job so far this offseason, was the one who came in with the actual financials of the deal, saying that it would pay roughly $60 million over three years. Now, talks are still ongoing. So, who knows? Who knows? Now, Oh God, I'm not, I'm, I do not envy the folks in the front offices who have to get this deal to work because it will have to be a sign and trade. Um, it's going to be a fucking head scratcher. It's going to be an absolute head scratcher because Dinwiddie's going to have to sign with the Nets and then be traded to Washington. I'm fairly certain. And then there's going to have to be at least another team to get in there I, dude i really have no fucking idea but anyway um just about spencer dinwiddie i was as the days passed i grew more and more um pessimistic about him coming back to new york or to brooklyn i should say and uh it sucks dude it really it it's gonna it hurts watching him go but you know when you are the fan of a team who is trying to build a contender and or has built a contender and is actually trying to win a championship now. And you go and you sign three of the biggest or not sign, but you go and you sign two of the biggest and then trade for one. I'm trying to find the fucking words here. You'd form a big three with some of the most recognizable, the most popular and the best players in the modern NBA. The guys that you grew up watching are going to have to move on. D'Angelo Russell moved on. He was the guy who pretty much, he, if it wasn't for D'Angelo Russell, Brooklyn would not be in this position. They would not be contending for a championship. They would not have been able to sign Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant because no one wants to play for shitty teams. And before D'Angelo Russell got there, the Brooklyn Nets were a shitty organization. And he arrives. He f turns the trajectory of the franchise around entirely drags them to a playoff run or to a playoff berth that they had no business securing and then of course you know things break down he winds up going to Minnesota and the next thing you know Kevin Durant is a Brooklyn Net Kyrie Irving is a Brooklyn Net but Jared Allen Karis LeVert Spencer Dinwiddie those were the guys who helped 
bring the team to relevance just as much as D'Angelo Russell. I know D'Lo was the face of it, but Jared Allen made great strides in his years with the Nets. Spencer Dinwiddie was probably... I mean, dude, him and D'Lo were two of the most impressive young guards in the NBA when they were together. The improvements they made, going from, well, in Dinwiddie's case, a relatively unknown prospect to being a guy who can go out and give you 20 20 points, 6 assists, was in the running for most improved player, and then D'Angelo Russell turns into a legitimate all-star. But now that that era, it's it's come to a close. It's officially come to a close with Spencer Dinwiddie's departure, and it sucks, but I wish him nothing but the best in Washington. I think he's going to kill it. I am, I am a little surprised that Washington was willing to give him such a tremendous amount of money the year after suffering a devastating knee injury. That's that was the only place um that was the only thing that really kept my optimism about him returning was that I didn't know how many teams would be interested in giving him a six-figure deal or um not a six-figure deal like an eight-figure deal right after a catastrophic injury. It didn't I I didn't think that it was going to happen, but of course, here we are now. We don't know the actual specifics of the financials. It could be very back-heavy, where that's where the majority of the money comes in. But even still, you're tied into this guy for at least two years. I can't imagine it being, you know, like a one... No, it wouldn't. It would be two years plus a player option or two years plus a team option or just three years guaranteed. Either way, you're not stuck with Spencer Dinwiddie, but you are guaranteeing him a significant payday for two years. But I don't think that Spence is going to have any setbacks from his injuries. I think he's going to get to Washington, and he's absolutely going to kill it. They're a young team. They got um, Davis Bertans, Rui Hachimura, who is really just positioning himself to be the new face of the Wizards, dare I say, and potentially Bradley Beal. I mean, that's still one of the biggest topics this offseason. It's Kawhi and Bradley Beal and what happens with them. But um, in short, I think Spencer Dumas is going to kill it. I'm sad to see him go, but I'm excited to watch him from afar. And I really do wish him nothing but the best. And the same goes for Jeff Green, man. Uh, Jeff Green, dog. I might have to do a video on Jeff Green for, for the YouTubes because this guy's story is one of... It's so just heartwarming to see this guy come from open heart surgery to being one of the most important players on this past Brooklyn Nets team. And now he's going to Denver, another contender where he's probably going to wind up paying, playing huge minutes for Michael Malone as a three and D type guy. Another one of those guys who is just going to be a pesky defender going up against someone like LeBron, like um, Devin Booker, you know, Guys like that. Potentially, if they get to the finals, they might see Chris Middleton. He might even be back against the Nets. I don't know. It's possible. But anyway, uh, two years, $10 million. That was That's actually a steal for Jeff Green. I thought it was $10 million a year. Wow. Damn. Damn, damn. And that's, of course, why the Brooklyn Nets weren't able to re-sign him. Much like the Lakers, they've brought on these three guys or brought on uh, Johnson and re- re-signed. Bruce and Blake for one-year deals. Bruce got the MLE, and then Blake and uh, Johnson got, it's got to be the veterans minimum, so 2.6 for each of them. Um, Yeah, I wasn't expecting Brooklyn to do anything sizable this offseason. As much as I would have loved for them to sign Kawhi Leonard, I knew that was not going to happen, and it was mostly just, uh, just for the lulls. Now, what's going on here? Okay, Taj, oh, the Knicks. That was another, that was the other, t- the other New York team. So, it's always interesting not being a Knicks fan and talking about the Knicks. And it's always more interesting being a Nets fan and talking about the Knicks because people expect for me, well, maybe not me, but people expect Nets fans to be inherently biased against the Knicks. And a lot of them are. A lot of people do shit on the Knicks just because of what's happened in the past. Now, I don't condone that. I for one, just prefer to be objective about certain things. The Knicks are a good young team. However, I will not back down from a little bit of shit talk. If Knicks fans want to talk shit about the Nets, we can go back and forth. I love it. I love talking shit. I think it's what makes fan. It's one of the, it's one of the good things about being a fan 
of any sports team is just being able to, you know, have some friendly banter back and forth with your crosstown rival. But I'm not someone who's just going to shit on the Knicks for every signing they have just because, you know, of what they did with Andrea Bargnani and how they haven't been able to land a massive free agent in however many years. Um, now, with that being said, I'm not as deeply entrenched in Knicks circles as I am with the Nets just because I don't really feel I don't really feel the need to be. I'll watch them from an outsider's perspective. I do follow a decent amount of Knicks fans on Twitter, but I don't really know the inner workings of the uh the Knicks fandom. So it was usually it's usually this weird balancing act, especially when you're a young team like the Knicks are, who made the playoffs at my surprise. Admittedly, I did not expect them to be to be in the um in the postseason, but what does that for me is it kind of worries me that they'll try to accelerate their rebuilding timeline and swing big for a massive free agent who doesn't fit what they're trying to do right now. It's like if they were to sign Kawhi Leonard, for example, he does not fit their timeline because he's trying to win championships while the Knicks are trying to form a solid foundation for their future so they can win championships in three, four, five years. That did not happen. I'm sure some Knicks fans wanted that to happen. I'm sure there are other Knicks fans who just wanted the Knicks to do nothing and keep the team as it is. Now, the Knicks did not do that. So this is um this is what's going on. They pretty much brought back everybody mostly everybody from their team last year. Derrick Rose is returning. I think that's a great signing. Three years for 43 million. Fantastic. That's an average of about 14, 14 and a third quality deal for someone who could have been last year's sixth man of the year. Uh, the Nerlens Noel deal. Three years, 32 million. Some fans may gawk at this. They may think that it sucks. But statistically, Nerlens Noel is one of the most impactful defenders in the NBA. Guy gets a lot of blocks, gets a lot of steals, does get into foul trouble sometimes. But, you know. That's what happens when you have young bigs. And if he's not playing a lot of minutes, it's not really a big deal. If he's going to make an impact. Wow. If he's going to make an impact while he's on the court, so be it. Um, I don't really have any issue with that deal. It might be a little too much because um, now you're going to want to play him more because you're paying him $10 million. If it was like three years for $24 million or $21 million, he's only getting $7, 8000000 million a year. It's different. Um, Alec Burks. Quality signing, three years, $30 million. Alec Burks had a couple of fantastic performances in the postseason. Quality three-point shooter, just a solid guy who impacts winning. And then they just re-signed Taj Gibson um, a little while a little while ago. Um, more, in, more specifically, like 15 minutes ago at the time of this recording. Now, they go ahead, they lose Reggie Bullock. Um, there's still some stuff to be decided with Frank, with Alfred Payton, but... Uh, we don't know when that's going to happen. But the big thing, Evan Fournier. So Evan Fournier comes to New York by way of a four-year contract worth $78 million. Um, now, on the surface, this is, this is a lot of money for a player who may or may not be worth it. Of course, we did see what Evan Fournier did to Team USA a couple of a uh, couple of days ago in the Olympics. This dude fucking transcended, looked like a French version of Tracy McGrady. In the States, he's not that. However, is Evan Fournier a bad player? By no means. By no means is Evan Fournier a bad player. On a good day, when he's got the ball in his hands a lot, he's giving you about 20 points, shooting like 45, 46% from the field close to 40% from three. He's in like that 37 to 40% range. Very quality young player. A situation like he had with Boston, I think is better suited for him because he doesn't have to worry about being the number one. He wouldn't have even have been the number two if they were healthy. It would have been Jason. It would have been a Tatum, Brown, and then, you know, Kemba and Fournier, whoever was hot at the time. Of course, it's weird to put Kemba Walker only a little bit above Evan Fournier, but Kemba did not play particularly well last season. So, you know, shit happens. But uh, let's see.
what really impacts this deal is the club option for 2024. That comes when Evan Fournier is 31 years old. He will be, if not out of his prime already, toward the tail end of his prime, and the Knicks can cut ties with him. We expect that it's going to be the most expensive year of the deal, but not by much, maybe like two or three million or something. Really not anything that's going to break the bank, but you're primed to get three quality years of Evan Fournier, and that's really not that bad because it gives you a shot creator in the backcourt at least. They have Julius Randle, but no one else was really like a go-to guy for them. They had Derrick Rose. Of course, they didn't get him until halfway through the season, and he was coming off the bench. Now, what's going to happen with R.J. Barrett? That's a huge question. What's going to happen with Emmanuel quickly? What's going to happen with whoever they drafted this um, this past week? Because I don't know who the fuck any of those players are. Evan Fournier gives them a reliable shot creator in the backcourt and someone who really isn't going to command that much. He's not a super duper star. He's not even an all-star. I mean, he's a high quality player. He's a very good player, but you don't have to worry about pleasing him above everybody else. Like he's someone, what I'm trying to say is that he's more inclined to be a team player because the team doesn't have to run the offense through him to be successful. I'm not saying that guys like LeBron, KD, Giannis, um, Kawhi, I'm not saying they aren't team players, but you know, when you are the primary reason for your team's success, you are going to do what's best for the team. And what's best for the team? What's best for the team is you taking 23, 24 shots a night and being the focal point of everything. And obviously that's going to happen because it fucking works. Look at Kawhi. He's won a couple titles. Pretty good. Look at LeBron. One of the greatest to ever do it. Look at KD. The greatest scorer of all time. Got two titles under his belt. Is vying for a third. Evan Fournier can fit into whatever system and he'll probably be successful. And him not being so upfront is going to allow the Knicks, the younger Knicks, to flourish. And I would rather them potentially overpay for that than overpay for a star that isn't really that isn't beneficial in the long term to your team like you may be more successful within this year and the next year but it's going to drastically alter your rebuild this doesn't really fuck anything up too much and you know what if Evan Fournier does well the Knicks can trade him you know it's not hard to offload 18 million dollars I mean, the Nets were, people thought fucking Joe Harris was going to be traded. He's making about the same as Evan Fournier. These kinds of guys, you can move them around. It's not like you have to try to cover 30, $32 million worth of shit. Um, overall, I'm very impressed with the Knicks this, uh, this offseason. They did just enough. I think that's, I think that's something to commend, especially with it being a young front office. Well, not a young front office, but a new front office. Like they could have gotten a little crazy. Try to really, you know, put make Knicks basketball great again. You know, they could have tried to be the big dogs of the offseason and they weren't. They were a little reserved, which is very very respectable. I give the Knicks a very solid uh B plus to an A minus. I'm leaning more more towards an A minus because not only did they sign a decent player in Fournier. They pretty much have the entire team coming back next season. So watch out for the Knicks. I don't think they're gonna, you know, make a conference title a conference title game or anything, but they're gonna be a fun team to watch and they're gonna be a fucking menace to play. I'll tell you that much. Now, what was the um the other trade? I talked about Steven Adams and Valentinus kind of. This was this where is it? Where is it? Where the fuck is the Ricky Rubio trade? Because that, where is it? I will talk about, oh, okay. So it just got fucking published today. So this was another trade that I was kind of like, I, I didn't understand. Cleveland trades for Ricky Rubio. And Minnesota accepts Torian Prince, cash, and a 2022 second round pick. Dude. Uh, how? How does this happen? How do the Cavaliers acquire Ricky Rubio for that little? 
do we not like this isn't Ricky Ru this isn't rookie Ricky Rubio. This isn't second year player Ricky Rubio. This is Ricky Rubio who just fucking dropped 38 points against the United States in the Olympic quarterfinal game. Like great defender, fantastic passer, elite passer. There is no word in the English language to describe how gifted of a passer Ricky Rubio is. And he's improved as an all-around scorer. He's not afraid to shoot. Like, this is a great trade for Cleveland. I just don't know how it works in the context of the team. Cleveland is one of those organizations where I will never believe that they're doing a good thing until they prove that they've gonna that they've done a good thing because they've been so dysfunctional for as far back as I can remember. Not only with Colin Sexton and Darius Garland and, you know, trading for Andre Drummond, but not really being able to build an actual team out of these quality players. The coaching, the coaching carousel is always a fucking, it's always just an eyesore. The front office is just like out there. This is going back to like first stint LeBron, the LeBron's first stint with Cleveland where they failed to build a contender and they continuously, well, I don't want to say that. They had contending teams, but LeBron's team in the finals was never the favorite. Was not the favorite against the Spurs. Got beat by the Boston Celtics before he left. And that's how it was year after year. LeBron's Cavs always went up against better teams. And it's the fault of the front office. And they've perpetuated this for years up until when they got LeBron back and that's when they had Kyrie and that's where they, that's when they were able to make a trade for Kevin Love. Like I just I want to be proven wrong because I want Colin Sexton to play well. I want Ricky Rubio to play well. I want Jared Allen probably more than any of them to be honest to play well. And I think this is a good deal for Cleveland. I just don't understand how Minnesota got this fucking call from Colby Altman and they were like, "Yes, this is a fair trade for all parties. Let's Let's go through with it. It's not, dog. It's just, it's not. It's not. Anyway, I've gone this long without addressing the fucking elephant in the room, mainly because I forgot I got so wrapped up in talking about New York City basketball. The Miami Heat. Kyle Lowry is a Miami Heat. That doesn't make any fucking sense to say he is a Miami Heat. That's awesome. Sign and trade, much like with the um the Lakers deal, this won't be official until um like a couple days from now, August sixth. How do I feel about this trade? Well, actually, you know what? Let's go back to um Miami. Let's go back to their acquisitions, their acquisitions table. So, in order to acquire Miami Heat, uh, in order to acquire Kyle Lowry. They had to part with Goran Dragic and Precious Achua. If I mispronounced your name, I apologize. Not that much in the grand scheme of things because, I mean, well, you know, training for Kyle Lowry, you'd expect that you'd have to bring in more, but then you remember that it's not prime Kyle Lowry. Still a decent, still great player. Going to be a serious contributor to them, but the roster as a whole, you got Kyle Lowry. They re-signed Duncan Robinson. They re-signed, um, no, they didn't re-sign, oh, they re-signed uh, fucking Dwayne Dedman. They re-signed Max Struess and Gabe Vincent to uh, two contributors. Well, didn't um, Gabe Vincent just, he plays for the Nigerian team, right? He, yeah, he plays for the Nigerian national team who upset the United States in the Olympic uh, preliminaries. So there's that, but really. The big deals, Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson got $90 million. He got $90 million from the Miami Heat. And a shout-out for his podcast from Woj. I'm looking for that. I want Woj to shout-out my fucking show. That'd be great. Now, where does this catapult the Miami Heat? Well, it catapults them right into the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference. Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Kyle Lowry is a formidable big three, both offensively and defensively. What does Kyle Lowry bring to Miami? Defense, obviously. But you remember, their shooting 
I don't remember off the top of my head. I'm going to actually double check this. But Miami was really not that great of a three-point shooting team. I'm going to fact check this because I feel like that's wrong of me to say. No, it's not. They finished 20th in the league last year. Just a hair under 36%, despite having Duncan Robinson, one of the most lethal three-point shooters in the league, who was consistently knocking down 40% of his threes. Of course, there's Tyler Hero, there's Kendrick Nunn as well. They did lose Trevor Ariza, that is worth noting. Uh, Goran Dragic as well. But the Lowry for Dragic swap is definitely an upgrade for the Heat. Maybe not offensively, because I don't know what kind of scoring output Kyle Lowry is going to give you at this stage. Uh, I'm thinking 16, 17, 18 a night, potentially over 20 if the ball is in his hands enough, but without a doubt going to be a key facilitator for the Heat, and he's a clear upgrade defensively over Goran Dragic. I mean, that's undeniable. This Miami Heat defense, the way it's shaving up with just Butler, Bam, and Lowry, three guys that are going to be starting late in, or three guys that are going to be playing late in games is going to be highly formidable. And then, of course, you throw in Duncan Robinson, who's a suspect defender, to say the least, but someone who's just going to shoot the fucking lights out all the time. Miami is now up there with Philly, Milwaukee, and Brooklyn. Now, of course, we got to see how everybody plays together, but I think that this was... I was surprised when Miami was trying to position themselves, quote-unquote, positioning themselves for Kyle Lowry, but it all worked out. It all worked out for them. Um, What else? What else? I feel like... Oh, they're also talking about Victor Oladipo. They were trying to trade him for somebody, but I don't remember... I I don't remember who it was, dude. I really... I really don't know. I don't know. Um, Let's see. LeBron is going to miss Alex, Alex Caruso from Skip Bayless. Ah, man, listen... Maybe. Maybe. What else? Okay, so... These are just a handful of the unrestricted free agents remaining. There is, of course, Kawhi Leonard. There's DeMar. There's Carmelo Anthony, Patty Mills, who was rumored to be in talks with the Brooklyn Nets. I would love to see that. Make it happen, Sean Marks. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, Kelly Oubre. Kelly Oubre. How the... Dude. I remember this was like two seasons ago. Right before Kelly Oubre signed with the Suns. This guy was unemployed for like the entire summer. It took him months. I'm pretty sure... If I remember correctly... I don't remember the date off the top of my head, but I remember because I had written about it. I had written about how Kelly Oubre was still unsigned. It was like September. I'm like, there's no way this dude does not have a team yet. Wait, what? It was only July? No. Oh. Right, that's because that was pre-COVID when <laughs> the free agency period started in July. Okay, or in June, I should say. That's what it was. Okay, so whenever the fuck, uh, I don't remember the actual date. It was like draft night or something or like June 30th, free agency, not August, whatever. But Kelly Oubre, like six months had gone by. Not six months. Like not even six weeks either. A couple of weeks had gone by. And this dude who was just off of putting up decent numbers with... um. With Phoenix, he got traded to Phoenix, and they took forever to re-sign him. I don't understand how this guy is so consistently just, like, left left in free agency when he is a fantastic player. He's a very good role player. He, benef- he impacts winning all the time. All the time. Damn, it's a shame, man. It's a shame. I hope he finds a. I hope he finds a spot soon. I'll, again, I would love to see him on Brooklyn, but they're definitely not going to have the money for that. Uh, Demarcus Cousins, Danny Green, Iggy Cantor, Reggie Jackson. I gotta stop talking for a little bit, dude. My fucking. I'm getting lightheaded. I'm gonna.
pass the fuck out. Uh, oh, Chicago. That's who it was. Okay, so. I'm moving over to the, to the Chicago Bulls. Now, much like the Cavaliers, the Chicago Bulls were a team that I was not ever willing to give credit to because they hadn't shown me anything. Chicago, now it's a very different story. They kicked off free agency by bringing in Lonzo Ball. Four years, $85 million. Love that deal. I love that deal. Um, It might be a little much as far as the salary is concerned, but when you look at Lonzo Ball, he does everything that you could want in a modern-day point guard. The only thing he doesn't do is he's not a scorer, but you do have Zach Levine, who's giving you about 25, 26 points a game while shooting 45% from the field and close to like 40% from three. So you don't need that out of your point guard. What do you need your point guard to do? Well, it would help if he could set up Levine to score, which is something that Lonzo does better than really anyone in his age group. He is a phenomenal passer. He's a phenomenal floor general. He just has, he knows how to run an NBA offense. And Chicago is definitely going to benefit from that. He also rebounds. He plays fucking stifling defense. He's a great acquisition for the Chicago Bulls who have Wendell Carter coming back from injury. Oh, no, they don't, actually. I forgot. They have Nikola Vucevic now, right? Pretty sure Carter was involved in that deal. Okay, so Wendell Carter no longer with the team. Anyway, you have Zach Levine, you have Kobe White as well, and now Lonzo Ball. Pretty good, pretty good young rotation. Um, well, they did also resign or not resign. Fuck, I keep saying resign. They did also sign Alex Caruso. Now, Caruso. I was talking about him with a couple of my friends the other day, mainly in his role with the Lakers and how he was such a solid guy off the bench for them. He's going to do the same thing for the Chicago Bulls. He's just going to hang out, going to run the offense a little bit, make a couple threes, call it a day. But having a reliable backup point guard doesn't have to set the world on fire. Not every backup point guard is going to be Spencer Dinwiddie, and that is okay. Just someone who can prevent things from spiraling out of control. That is what Alex Caruso is going to do in Chicago. I very much like that signing for them as well. Outside of those two, they didn't really do anything drastic. They actually lost um, Daniel Tyson Garrett Temple, which isn't, isn't really that big of a deal. Um, Again, but much like the Cavaliers, I do have to say that while Chicago has done a... So, a very good job this offseason. I want to see how it all works together because it could very quickly just deteriorate into nothing. Now, do I think Chicago makes the playoffs this season? Maybe. The bottom portion of their Eastern Conference is so fucking messy. It's so jumbled. It's so inconsistent. Really, anyone can fucking qualify for the playoffs. I'm thinking anyone except the Pistons who just fucking gave Kelly Olenek $37 million. Any of them can contend for the 7th and the 8th seats. Washington, Chicago, um, New York. Although I think New York is a tier above, like kind of where um Boston and um, Atlanta are. Um, still, Chicago, Washington. I'm forgetting every fucking team in the conference right now. It's remarkable. Oh, duh. Chicago, Washington, Toronto. Going to be very interesting to see what happens with them. Um, I know Norman Powell. I think Norman Powell just uh, re-signed with Portland. I don't know. Like, that's not even... He's not on the team anymore. I don't know why thinking about that just jogged my memory. But, yeah, Norman Powell is back with Portland. Um, I'm trying to remember, like... All the signings. Let's see. Let's go to the big board. These are, these are all the signings 
that I missed, by the way. I missed Tim Hardaway staying in Dallas for four years, $74 million. Rashawn Holmes, Gary Trent, Devontae Graham going to New Orleans, although I think New Orleans is a fucking train wreck of an organization right now, so I don't know if um, his talents are going to be very well utilized over there. Uh, Doug McDermott signing with the Spurs. He's going to fucking... I wonder if... I wonder what's going to happen with the Spurs game plan now. Is Popovich going to, like, dive fucking dick first into the modern NBA and actually let his guys um, shoot some threes? We'll see. TJ McConnell... Resigned with Indiana. Love TJ McConnell. Uh, Will Barton uh, campaign talked about it. PJ Tucker, David Nwaba, Nets legend, David Nwaba. Bobby Portis resigned with Milwaukee. Nick Batum resigned with uh, the Clippers. That's pretty much everybody. That's, yeah, that's pretty much everybody. Sam Decker came back from overseas. That was announced today. And we're still waiting on. A whole bunch of free agents, as I mentioned, Kawhi, Demar, um, Oladipo is another one who wasn't mentioned. Guys who weren't mentioned uh, in that tweet I read from Mark Stein, JJ Redick, uh, Justice Winslow, Lou Williams. Yeah, Lou Williams. It says Lewis Williams, so I thought that was a different guy, but no, it's Lou Williams. Paul Millsap could be a guy to look out for. Veteran presence who might be looking to bring a ring home. He is 35, 36. How old is he? 34, pardon me. Ed Davis. I fucking love Ed Davis, dude. I miss him so much and I have to blow my nose. Alfred Payton, Denzel Valentine. Really, I think all these guys are. No disrespect, but yeah, we'll see. I'm not even going to take it there. Oh, dude, what else is there to fucking talk about? I spent an hour talking about fucking money. God damn, my head hurts. $1.5 billion spent this offseason. So far. What was it last year? $1.8 billion. Jesus, fuck. The average salary, that's interesting. The average salary is up $3 million from last year. But down from 2019. Of course, 2019 was a fucking loaded free agent class. Look at dude, look at this. Look at this. Clay Thompson, Chris Middleton, Kevin Durant, Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, Kemba Walker, Kyrie Irving, D'Angelo Russell. What a fucking class, dude. Damn. That's fucking elite. Um I mean we could talk about the Olympics. Again, haven't really been watching because it's the fucking time zone. Team USA played at like 1 a.m. Eastern Standard. Dog, I'm in bed. I'm sleeping. I'm not. If you woke up to watch Team USA beat Spain this morning, kudos to you. But I caught the highlights. I caught the storyline. I saw Kevin Durant put his nuts all over the Spaniards. Fucking great. Now, at one point, do we talk about Kevin Durant being the greatest Olympian of all time? Has he already met that criteria? Leading scorer in um, Olympic history. Just had 29 against Spain. I don't know why the long pause there. Just had 29 against Spain. If he wins gold medal this year, will be tied with Carmelo Anthony with three gold medals. The only two USA players, the only two uh, NBA players to do that. At one point, we talk about it, man. It is It is a discussion. It is certainly a discussion. Um, I'm actually just going to head over to Reddit. Fuck it, it might be that time already. Whoa. Oh, we got Chuck saying something wholesome? Sign me the fuck up, dude. I love how Chuck is always, like, so curmudgeon about everything, but this is actually very... This is actually very nice of him. This was posted by um, Reddit, your phase, LOL. Charles Barkley on the Bucks winning the title. Quote, if you're not happy for Giannis, there's something wrong with you. He represents everything that's great about basketball. Great. He then says, he then goes on to praise Chris Paul. 
Uh, living in Arizona, those people are awesome, but Milwaukee was the better team when I picked Milwaukee to win, win the city. It was painful for me. I wanted to pick the Suns, but I just didn't see how the Suns can beat those guys. Uh, yeah, dude, I was I was totally wrong when I picked Phoenix over Milwaukee. I grossly underestimated the Bucks, and I think more so, I don't know if I was underestimating Giannis because I knew that after watching him against the Nets, I knew that he was going to do that again. But was Holiday going to have games like he had against Brooklyn? Was Chris Middleton going to have games like he had against Brooklyn? Um, they did, and I was wrong. That's okay. It happens. Um, oh, yeah. Chuck basically says the same thing. Uh, he says, in response to a question about Giannis taking his game to another level, I don't think he took his game to another level. I think the other guy stepped up. Yeah, that's kind of what I was alluding to. Although having 50 and 14 in the uh, the series finale is fucking awesome. Definitely taking your game to a new level. Whoa, this is... I didn't know there was... Providence, someday I want to look up David Duke and see my face, said David Duke. The Providence freshman. He paused a bit, looked away, as if looking for something only he could see. Someday I want to see his name mean something else. What the fuck, dude? That's just unfortunate to have the name David Duke. Wow. Damn. I hope it works out. I hope that uh, Providence freshman David Duke goes on to be one of the all-time greatest NBA players ever. Fuck it. Fuck, uh, fuck the white supremacist David Duke. This was another thing that I found very wholesome. Kyrie's foundation built a solar water center in Pakistan. The center is providing a thousand villagers access to clean water. Also facilitating farming and light to families. Awesome. Kyrie Irving is just fucking about that life, dude. He talks the talk. He walks the walk. He does everything. He does it all like relatively um, silently. Like I don't recall ever seeing anything on his Twitter leading up to when the news came out or uh, on his Instagram or anything. He just goes about his business. Man, shout out to Kyrie Irving. This was before draft night. The Sixers asked for Wiggins, Wiseman, and <laughs> the Warriors' two picks, the 7th and the 14th for Ben Simmons, and the Warriors said no. Man, you know, I'm fucking tired. All, yeah, all this stuff on, uh, all this stuff on Reddit is just free agency stuff. Clippers are acquiring Boston in a deal per source. I didn't see this. New Orleans picked Brandon Boston at 51 this past draft, and the Clippers traded him. Dude, what was just a fucking... Okay. Yeah, dude, I'm done for today. Fuck it. Fuck it. Closing up shop for today. Fuck it, man. As always, thank you guys so much for coming to hang out with me today. If this is your first time, welcome. If you are a returning listener... Welcome back. Everything that I'm associated with is down in the description below. Social medias. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a review and be sure to follow the show on Spotify and whatever other podcast player you use. I'm out. But once again, thank you guys so much and I'll catch you next week.